0: Hello and welcome to Upward Way. I am your host, Marlon Walters. My guest today is a multi-talented young woman. She's an artist, life painter, poet, and singer. She works as a bilingual teacher at the Tokyo Saniko Elementary School. Kuriko Maeki, welcome to the Upward Way.
1: Hello, this is Kuriko. Uh, What an honor to join uh, this wonderful ministry here. Thank you for having me.
0: It's my joy having you just the same. And of course, I have to say thanks for making yourself available to share your story. Sure. Could you just uh, walk us through your faith journey in terms of how it is that you came to be a Christian?
1: Okay. Um, there's no like a big spectacular story. You know, I was born in a Christian family and my mom took me to Seventh-day Adventist church since I was five, and I joined the primary class there, and I've been going through the Adventist system. I went to Tokyo Saniku Elementary School, (laughs) where I'm working at right now, and then I went to um, junior high school, Hiroshima Saniku Junior High School, and then from there, um, my life took a different turn. I went overseas. I went to Fountain View Academy in Canada, Then I went to Waymoor College in California. Then I transferred to Andrews University. So on my faith journey, I mean, I have a personal one, but growing up in a Christian family and going to Christian schools, you know, it helped me to mold the faith. So, yeah, that's the generic answer. But I can get into more of a personal one later, I guess.
0: Sounds pretty interesting. Could you just tell me a little as to what were those early years like for you?
1: It's interesting because I really clearly remember my first Sabbath experience. I was welcomed into the primary class, you know, with a big smile. And this lady there, uh, she spent her life sometime overseas too. So she, she, taught us English you know she said, "How are you and she taught us how to answer you know I'm fine and I remember the first Sabbath lesson too that was about Solomon um, who had a dream you know you know the story and and he didn't ask for wealth uh, or fame but he asked for wisdom maybe that's that's kind of meaningful maybe in my life just realized anyway so that was like my first Sabbath experience and it was very positive yeah. So what was it like? Um, then I don't remember like the rest, rest of the Sabbath school lessons, you know. But when I turned six, I started going to the school and the teachers there taught us the fun Bible stories. And it just became a natural part of my life to you know, pray and sing hymns and worship. Besides that, uh, my mom like started devotion when I was like in third grade. Maybe she was doing it on her own, but she sh- started sharing how she does it and she taught me how to do it you know read, read the bible and write down in the notebook the verses that you know sounded personal and so i really appreciate her for teaching me that and we would pray together and some of the prayers were answered and i think that's how my faith grew a little by little as a baby christian
0: sounds funny you, you make it sounds so much fun there's something you just said that I find pretty interesting. You, you did say you remember the very first day you entered um, church, basically. You mm-hmm. we'll actually remember the story that was shared. So mm-hmm. uh, how important is it for those who teach in the church or anywhere mm-hmm. actually well-prepared each day that they have, they have an audience, basically?
1: Yes, because I'm a Sabbath school teacher myself. So anyways, that, that lady, you know, who taught me, she was really well experienced and she had bright smile and very positive atmosphere. And, you know, it's interesting because I still clearly remember how bright her eyes were and how happy she was to see me for the first time and very welcoming. Yeah, so that's very important. And you, you were saying talking about how prepared you should be. As a Sabbath school teacher, sometimes, I mean, I sometimes feel like I need to prepare more. The teacher herself maybe doesn't remember how she welcomed me. Maybe that was just how she was every week, naturally. But to me, you know, I I still remember how she was till this day. And so I think we have to be conscious, you know, about how we are representing God. But if we are conscious every day, and when it becomes like our second nature, that can be, you know, natural. Or then we can subconsciously witness for God. But in order to get to that level, we have to be conscious about it.
0: I love your choice of word, being conscious about what we do, because we know we are representing Christ. Mm
1: -hmm. People
0: invest a whole lot of time and energy into developing their careers different goals, but oftentimes the spiritual dimension of their lives are actually neglected. Now, from your own personal experience, how do you pursue your own spiritual growth?
1: You know, for the longest time, I mean, just like my mom taught me, I, I thought, you know, having like a proper devotion time in the morning, you know, is important in spiritual growth. And of course it is still, but sometimes, you know, when I fail to, when I'm too busy in the morning or To sleeping in the morning when I cannot start the day in an ideal way. And I tend to like give up altogether, you know, thinking, oh, I didn't start it right. So I'm a failure. You know, somehow I have that attitude or something. This is pretty reason I was walking. It wasn't a work day, maybe Sunday or holiday. I was walking outside on a street. And on one side of the street, it was dark or shadowy because of the houses. And on the the other side of the road was warm and, you know, sunny. So I decided to walk on the sunny side of the road, and then realize, you know, that's how our life is. If we choose to be on the sunny side, then we can get the blessing, you know, but if you choose to walk in the shadow, it's just that difference, you know, switch of a mind. So I felt like God is saying, well, you know, even if you didn't start a day, right, you know, still focus on me and Keep talking to me throughout the day and you can catch up on me later. You know, I can give you time to read the Bible or you can do it in the evening or whatever. But if you, you know, choose to walk in the shadowy side and thinking, oh, you know, I did I did it again. It's going to be a bad day. I didn't connect with God in the morning. Dah, 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 dah. And if I choose to, you know, not to get blessing, then I'm choosing to be a failure, right? God didn't stamp on me. And didn't mean to make the whole day miserable just because you know I failed. So it's not what I do, but what I choose or how I choose God every moment. And he can always change me or fortify me to do the right thing.
0: So in essence, it's about being consistent, basically. So even if you did not get to start the day the way you anticipated, you can always just connect with God at basically any hour of the day that that's that's refreshing you are someone who's very active you know you and so on in terms of when god communicates with you how would you say he most often communicates with you what method you know
1: um in different ways you know of course like through bible verses sometimes when i'm reading or through a sermon or sometimes through fellow christian friends But sometimes what surprises me is like when I'm teaching, when I'm teaching the Bible story or when I'm teaching Bible lessons with kids in Sabbath school or in the event, you know, when I'm doing the live painting and whatnot, it's usually in the part in which I didn't prepare. You know, I usually prepare my lessons or write down what I'm going to say. But sometimes, you know, things just come out of my mouth and I'm like, where did that come from? (laughs) You know, and for instance, when I was teaching Sabbath school I'm teaching about when I was teaching about Israelites and how stepped into the river, Jordan River, I recall. And then the the river, it didn't, I guess, split. The water went down and, and welled up on one side. And when I was teaching them that, I said, you know, compare that to the Red Sea, you know, because the water split and israelites had to just walk through it the path was already there and seems like i bet that was more of a spectacular sight you know but for israelites faith i guess it takes more faith to start walking when the water was still going and they had to step and their feet had to touch the water so that was a bigger test of faith even though it doesn't make like a a spectacular scene for a movie (laughs) you know it was not in ten commandments. So anyways, and when I was talking or teaching about it, it felt like that I overlapped it with my own life because wherever I went to God had already opened the path. I was accepted into a school overseas or a different school or where I had to transfer or when I changed a job, you know, there was already a place. Uh, when I came back to Japan, it wasn't so. You know, I didn't have a job or something offered, but Anyway, I was wondering with whether I should stay in, in the US or come back to Japan at the moment. So somehow I thought, oh maybe this is that kind of test of faith and I was just just go back to Japan and let my feet touch the water and see how God opens the path. And he did, you know, after I came back, but I had to step out. So anyways, things like that. Sometimes, you know, people might say, Oh, it's just a Bible lesson and you know, it just overlaps by accident. But to me, I, it was personal. Yeah. Things like that. When I'm, when I'm teaching, I guess I find God speaking through me <laughs> by surprise.
0: Amen. Well, the scripture verse says, you know, thy word is a lamp unto my feet.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And David did say, thy word have I hid in my heart that I'm mm-hmm. fancy. So because the, the word of God has been implanted in your heart, embedded, then sometimes just by your own teaching, you are actually teaching yourself. That is yeah. <laughs> that is quite remarkable. All it's about about your live painting. Many persons may not really understand what live painting is all about. So could you just shed a little light as to what you do?
1: It's interesting, you know, how God got me into this because I I always loved art and I always loved singing and music but I never thought of combining the two, you know, and I almost prefer not to be looked at when I'm painting or drawing. I was like a closet artist or, you know, private (laughs) hobby artist. And I was more into making a small one, really detailed one and didn't like to be distracted and stuff. But somehow I, I started singing, started taking voice lessons and high school, and I was doing special music, and I was asked to sing at different events and stuff, you know, just in churches. And then one day, I came across this song, Alleluia, God's Palette, which my friend composed and wrote words for. And the song starts out like, blue, green, red, yellow. And so when I heard the song, I imagined me, you know, painting like red, blue, green, yellow, and painting these colors and singing at the same time. And I thought, well, you know, um, I was giving an opportunity to present one song during like a summer Christian concert at an Adventist church. In Tokyo, I thought, okay, uh, I'll do that. And I thought it was just like one time thing. And I used a small canvas painted Jesus holding a palette and painting these colors. And the song goes like, we're all created in God's palette were all colors that he created praise god and i thought that was like one time thing but you know the audience enjoyed it and then i was asked to do like a christmas program so i thought i'll do the whole christmas story you know while i'm live painting i saw i did like three songs a year later i added more songs i did like five songs and to portray the whole christmas story with the um the crucifixion and second coming at it and so every year as i did and i added more songs and elements and now i do like an hour program you know of light painting and singing so yeah it's quite surprising (laughs) you know never thought of doing something like this but i i love it i enjoy it that
0: is quite amazing you know sometimes we have our own plans but Mm -hmm. seeing how god can take that one idea, that that little plan or something, Mm -hmm. that accident that we stumbled upon and he makes it into something big. Where are some of the places that you have actually done your live painting? So you started here in Japan. Where in Japan have you painted and of course I I imagine you have also done it outside of Japan so if you could just share a little of that history.
1: (laughs) Ah, Okay. I think it was like three, four years ago. The first time I remember it was at, at Funabashi Church. Just one song that God's Palette song. And then I went to Chiba Church and I did the Christmas program and I went to Sodegaura Church and I did uh, Genesis to Revelation. And so I did like a creation song and Ten Commandments, crucifixion and Pentecost and then the second coming. So I took that um, Genesis to Revelation program to America where I used to live. I went to Michigan and I Contacted all my friends because I lived in Michigan for 10 years. So I went to uh, Ruth Murdoch, it was elementary school there. So I performed there. And I went to Great Lakes Academy and I went to different churches. I went to 10 different places, I can't remember all. And so that was like a first kind of like a tour. But, you know, I knew these people. So they helped me, really helped me to uh, travel and set up and everything really thankful. Then I think that was 2019, a pastor invited me to Hokkaido. And so I went to, to Kushiro Church. And then also there was a Red Farm, Red Farm restaurant where my friend Dimitri and Grace were missionary at. And so I did a Christmas program there too. Wait, no, I think that was 2018. Anyway, 2019, I went to California. Because I used to live there too. So again, I contacted my friends and they helped me to sit up. So I went to San Francisco Japanese Church, Little Melinda Japanese Church, and different places. And I also like to live thing like outdoors where I'm not really invited or asked to perform. I just do it and record. So I did it at like Grand Canyon, at the beach, you know, near San Francisco, Golden Gate Bridge, and things like that. I, I just like to go and do it outdoors as well. Yeah. And of, of course, Tokyo Saniku Elementary School. Because the corona situation, I can't do it you know, overseas or different churches right now. But um, God op- opened the doors for me to do it at my work, basically. So it's a blessing to minister to my own students.
0: It's indeed a blessing. And what, what is sad on my part, I am yet to actually experience you doing that. I can't help but ask, you know, what has been the impact? Of course, we can't really measure impact, to be honest. But mm. what has been the impact based on feedback from persons who would have seen you, even on your life itself as well?
1: Yeah, the, the feedback's been wonderful. You know, one time I did it at a campground in Michigan. And then a lady, I think she said she's in her 90s. This lady came up to me and with tears in her eyes. And she was like, I've never seen you know, something like this in my life. And she said, it was just as if these things were happening before her eyes, you know, the stories I portrayed of like crucifixion or the second coming as if it was happening. And to me, you know, it is the same, like when I paint and see, literally see the red paint, you know, dripping as blood, it has kind of like a different effect. It's tangible, you know, and so of course you can, project like a big picture by you know a projector and doing the slideshows and show more detailed beautiful pictures on the wall but somehow using this tangible medium it has different effect on me somehow you know i do feel like i'm in those scenes witnessing those scenes and just delivering it as a, a bystander or something yeah rather than you know a performer so it's a blessing to me as well. Another effect that it had on me, so when I started with just one song, I couldn't see this. You know, when I used to just sing several songs for an event, songs, words and everything, they just come out and disappear. So the messages somehow don't stick in my mind as much. But when I paint, you know, I can see from first song till the last song and all the things I sung about and the messages are traceable or still in right in front of me. So it helps me visually to connect to each song. And I usually find like elements that I can reuse later. So it's easier to like visually find like a central theme. And that's not something I planned at first, I started finding it. And so yeah, it helped me to see like a central theme throughout like a great controversy or through Genesis to Revelation. And it's it's wonderful.
0: I, I can imagine that's helped you to read your Bible even more. Did you, any anytime along your faith journey, had mm. that maybe caused you to doubt God or maybe doubt his plans for you? Because it may not necessarily be doubting his existence, but maybe his plans. Right.
1: Throughout my life, you know, I... Believed God existed, but of course, like, you know, it, is this really what He wants me to do, or am I at the right place? Or, you know, I had those moments, especially when I was younger. I was a student missionary in Zambia. I was a student at Weimar, and I always wanted to be a student missionary. So I prayed and God opened the way. And so I was in my 20s. I went to Zambia. And there, I think I really felt homesick for for like really first time because I have been away from home since I was like 13 I went to a boarding school and I went to overseas and still I didn't feel too lonely or too homesick even though my other friends are feeling it I'm like oh you know what's the problem (laughs) but like when I went to Africa then I felt really isolated or separated from from familiar friends and Families and in comfortable environments. You know, that was very different. You know, Japan and America or Canada were different, but Africa was very different. And on the top of it, I kind of felt like I'm of no use there. You know, it wasn't like I was like a frontier missionary. I was working at a mission station, which was established already. And I was working for missionary families who were already. Godly and faithful and all the people in you know working for that institute they are very godly people already you know and they got together at seven o'clock in the morning every morning to worship and if I was late, <laughs> if I missed it and they would worry about me are you okay spiritually you didn't come this morning <laughs> you know so I'm supposed to be a missionary, but they are already godly people and I was Teaching missionaries' kids, uh, (laughs) and sometimes they were out of control, and they didn't want to study, and they would be just running in banana field, (laughs) and had to chase them. and you know every year they got different student missionaries to teach them so they had different tricks to escape and you know with snakes and frogs and stuff like that it was just anyway yeah kids wouldn't listen to me and and people would doubt my faith uh yeah so it was kind of dark time you know am i really a missionary here but that that was just the, the beginning yeah and then i got malaria and then during the time when missionaries and other student missionaries went to the game parks and like went on tour to see like the victoria falls and that was like only only time when those missionaries went sightseeing in a year and i got malaria so i had to stay in bed when everybody went yeah very depressing um moments sometimes but the story doesn't end there so Little by little, you know, God, God showed me how I was supposed to be there. And I was talking to a student and he was like a sixth grade kid. And he, he said, Kriko, yeah, didn't call me, Miss Mike, yeah. Kriko, um, do you really want to be a teacher? <laughs> and I said, yeah, I, I actually want to be, you know, a teacher. He says, you can be if you really, 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 really want to be. <laughs> I was like, thanks. <laughs> And, you know, I joined different ministries there. They had jail ministries. They would visit jails or sometimes um, we would do Bible studies at different people's houses, a bush clinic, and we would go to different village and we would weigh the babies and things like that. So, you know, I couldn't be like the ideal missionary I was imagining to be in my head. But, you know, I felt like God was using me as I was and started to see People's you know reaction in a jail or or people whom I was giving the Bible study to, and they were sincerely listening to me and even students you know even though they gave me hard times, <laughs> but they also had fun with me, and we had conversation about God as well, and you know small things I think can help you to rebuild confidence or faith in God, so I felt like being a missionary it's not like being a David Livingston, you know. <laughs> You can be a missionary wherever
0: you are, as, as you are. Yeah. Yes, you can be a missionary wherever you are, as you are. I hope my listeners, you would have taken that one into account, being a missionary wherever you are, as you are. We sometimes don't really see God with that you know, sense of humor. Uh, so mm. Have you seen God's um, sense of humor play in terms of, you know, have you ever had an experience that left you just laughing the way God mm. allowed things to unfold?
1: And I should be keeping a journal, you know, faith journal, because I, there were moments that God made me laugh, but I, I can't remember, you know, why. <laughs> but I know God does have a sense of humor.
0: Okay. Well, if you could give God thanks for one person, or maybe a few wow. that they would have maybe just changed your life or impacted your life immensely, who would those persons be? And maybe, at least insight why?
1: So I was thinking one person, but if I can pick, phew that's good you know because as i said earlier first would be my mom and of course she's not perfect she showed me how to do a devotion but you know what what's cool about her is you know she's real she is always approaching god as she is you know my faith grew because of her practice you know basically like doing devotion or sharing what bible verses impacted her or praying together and seeing how god answers our prayers, you know, really impacted my life. Interesting, you know, she didn't have an easy life. She was divorced, even before I could remember. And we were led to reconnect with my dad. That was an answer to prayer. That was like 20 years after. And we thought we would never reconnect again. But I did anyway. Uh, She's not really that reconnected. But anyways, you know, they, they met and agreed that I would meet him. And my Dad and I are building a relationship, but that's because of my mom's prayer. you know she's been praying ever since she got divorced, even before I knew he existed, she was praying um, that we would meet again when it's supposed to uh, happen and then she got remarried, you know when I was in my thirties, and that was like a miracle too, and that was an answer to prayer because I didn't think she would actually remarry be because she wanted to. Marry a Christian, but in Japan it's really hard to find a Christian men her age who is not married. <laughs> and so, but that happened, and and I witnessed uh, a good marriage. So my mom, yeah, you know, witnessing that God is there and God does lead uh, in a personal way. And uh, another person that came to my mind is my be- best friend in California. We were neighbors and we worked together, and we went to the same church together. We went to many places together, we would you know, pray and did a lot of things together. She's uh, also a very big influence in my life. She wouldn't be surprised by pretty much anything. She's seen me at my worst and the best and she would still stick with me even if I'm ticked off at small things or and you know, whatever. I have lots of shortcomings too, but she overlooked them and she loves me the way I am and gave me very you know, wise advice throughout my life. And I'm really thankful. She showed me how God loves us.
0: Amen. Thank God for a praying mother and also for a good friend. Many persons doubt the existence of God and, and many question if the idea of God is, is a fairy tale. And of course, in, in this society, maybe 1% or they are both actually, you know, are Christians. No. What would you say to someone, and I'm sure you might have been doing it already, about Mm. your own experience?
1: Yes. um, You know, even though I grew up in a Christian family, I went to Christian schools, and I didn't encounter many non Christians in my early life. So it was a challenge, you know, how, how to witness to non Christian friends, students, and parents. So I usually share about how I met my dad or how I reconnected, you know, which I consider like a greatest miracle. It's kind of easy to see, you know, that happening, you know, by chance, chance is very little. So I will go into detail more. And so I was about 20 and my mom had always told me, you know, if you want to meet your dad, you know, you have a right to meet your dad. So I've been praying and you can tell me anytime and we'll somehow find him. And but I was like, Oh, I don't really care. I'm not that interested. And you maybe you know, it's hard to imagine for people who grew up with a father. But to me, I felt like I was not missing anything. I grew up with my mom and grandparents. And maybe I was like, it's like a fear of unknown, you know, if I meet dad, my life would change or or it'll be disturbed. I I don't know. Uh, Or I just didn't care. didn't feel like I missed my dad and my family was fine. I was happy. And so I didn't care. But when I was about, I was 20 i thought well you know i wanted to meet my dad out of curiosity or to understand myself you know because i got half my genes from him and meeting him would help me understand myself because i didn't understand myself (laughs) at times you know where is this coming from and so that was my reason and so i told my mom yeah I, i think i'm ready to meet my dad and she said okay let's start to pray so we prayed Our story is different, you know, and her version of the story took us about three months, you know, in my mind, I thought it was like six months, so we're not sure how long we prayed for, but it wasn't like 10 years, you know, we started praying, and I was already in America, so we prayed separately, sometimes we would pray on the phone, and then my mom ran into my dad at the apartment in Shinjuku, you know, and he had already married for a long time, and they just run into each other, you know, boom. And I usually tell my non Christian friends, you know, how much of a chance you would meet, you know, uh, your ex husband like that in the city, great city of Tokyo, <laughs> very populated, as you know. And not just when I was five or 10 or 12, but when I said I was ready to meet him, you know. So I consider that was like God's timing. So there, they talked and then oh, they went to a cafe or something and then sat down and talked about me and said, um, Kuriko says she's ready to meet you. Is that okay with you or with your wife and your kids? And yeah, they were happy to hear it. So yeah, when I went back to Japan that summer, they had arranged for me to visit his family. So that's really like the biggest answer to uh, our prayers. You know, when I tell my friends that they're usually wow, you know, they don't say that just happened by accident. Yeah. So that's usually what I tell them.
0: Amen. I I am blown away (laughs) because as you said, I don't know how many persons, but Shinjuku station is said to be the busiest uh, train station, very populated, very busy. So the Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) thing but that speaks to a miracle in and of itself. I must say, Thanks for taking the time to share today. We have been speaking with Kuriko Maeki. She is a singer, live painter, poet, and works as a bilingual teacher at the Tokyo Saniko Elementary School. Just before we go, Kuriko, do you have any parting words to share with our listeners?
1: Okay, so um, whoever is listening to this program, I hope that you find for yourself that God is real and personal. The way he's connecting with you is woven into a big picture because that's what I find in the life painting as well. Even like a small element to small colors that I put on, it's part of a big picture. So he's a personal God, but he's also like a public God and a God of the whole universe. And I have big testimonies, but also small testimonies like, you know, the one that I was just walking on this side of the street or the other. The small things in your lives and also big stories in your life are all testimonies. And when they're woven together, like a big picture, all painted by God through God's people. You know, when we only go to heaven and when we all, you know, stand back and see that big picture for the first time, we'll be amazed that even those small dots and the big surfaces are all witnessing about God. So please let God paint that picture through you.
0: And on a note of poetry. Yes, thank you once again for sharing. You've been listening to The Upward Way. Do join us again next week as we'll have another interesting guest sharing his or her story of faith. Until then, I'm Marlon Walters saying goodbye. May God bless you. You've been listening to The Upward Way Podcast. The number one audio production show for people
1: who want encouragement and reassurance in a muddled world.